So good afternoon and Stranger on the Shore brings us to this week's edition of the very same program. My name is Tim and I'm broadcasting from Global Chat Radio, the voice of multicultural Perth. And with me I have Elise Zibomana uh, <laughs> uh, from Burundi and he's going to talk to us today about his country and also what brings him to Australia. So good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Tim. So tell me, what is, um, where is Burundi? What, what, what's it famous for? What's, tell me about it. I know nothing. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Burundi is, a, I would say, a very small, beautiful country uh, located uh, in uh, East Africa, uh, just uh, north of Tanzania. Uh, it shares border with Rwanda. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's very well known for its uh, amazing coffee, uh, tea. And uh, yeah, uh, we actually do import, uh, export a lot of cotton. Yeah. Uh, and we're also known uh, for our beautiful traditional music and uh, mainly the dramas. It's, uh, it's a beautiful sight to see. Excellent. So, is it a, a republic? Is it a kingdom? Or, or what, uh, what's its sort of government structure? Well, it used to be a kingdom up until the uh, 1950s, uh, where the Burundi uh, uh, received their independence. Uh, that was 1962, I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, I, from then on, it became a republic. So, right now, it's known as the Republic of Burundi. Okay, and you, you mentioned it gained its independence in the fifties or thereabouts. Uh, yep. Who who ruled it prior to that then? Uh, well, prior to that, it was a king. Uh, it was a kingdom, but also it was a part of a German Belgium colonization uh, territory. Uh, so I'm, I would say it wasn't ruled by kingdom, but it was kind of like a, a relationship between the Germans and the Burundian kingdom. Um, the king was known as uh, Narushatsi. Uh, yeah, uh, up until then, uh, when the Germans uh, left, uh, Burundi gained its independence and then became a republic. Uh, and uh, the first uh, president was uh, uh, Guagasore. Yeah, he's uh, a well known hero of Burundi, I would say. Yeah, okay. most people consider him as a hero who saved Burundi. A hero because he got rid of the oppressors of... Yeah, correct. Uh, he's considered as a hero because he actually put in a lot of effort. He fought uh, so hard, so much to help Burundi get its independent. And uh, many people believe that if it wasn't of him, we would probably still be under oppression or under colonization. So I myself, I consider him as a hero because of uh, growing up, we were told a lot about him, how he fought, what he did, how hard was it, and everything that went through for Burundi to gain its independence. So, yeah, I do think he's a hero of Burundi. Yep. Okay. Now, some of the other countries in your part of the world, yep. uh, Rwanda, for example, I guess, um, have had a lot of internal turmoil um, over the years. Has... Burundi gone through similar issues or has it been 
relatively peaceful internally? Um, I wouldn't say it's been relatively peaceful. Uh, it's kind of, it's had same uh, turmoil as as Rwanda, but Burundi, the problem with it, it's part of it is still ongoing. Even as we speak today, the state turmoil uh, mainly right now it's a uh, political uh, turmoil. You know, people know seeing eye to eye, people from different political parties, they fighting, they there's just so much going on. They not like they don't see things eye to eye. And that's causing a lot of uh trouble right now as we speak. And there's so many people uh migrating to different countries because they're scared of their life. And uh that's also like how my mom ended up in Australia because she was a refugee in a different country because she moved from Burundi. She was scared of her life and then she had to get away from the country. And unfortunately, that's still going on today. There's people still going to different countries because they're scared of their life, so they have to run away so to seek help and uh, probably stay alive. Okay, well, we'll come back to your journey to Australia yep. um, a bit further into the program. Um, you mentioned that the drumming was a really important part of the uh, uh, the culture, I guess. Yep. So we might just play a little bit of traditional um, Burundian drum music by the Abatimbo drummers.
So while that music's been playing, I've been watching a, a little video clip of the um, Abitimbo drummers uh, performing. Now, um, Elise, tell me a little bit about the traditional clothes that they're wearing. Uh, so the traditional clothes they're wearing, it's a... Uh I would say it's sort of their way of uh, showing respect to the country. As you can see, the traditional clothes that they're wearing, it's the uh, same as the same uh, the colors on the flags of uh, on the flag of Burundian. So, uh, the dramas have always been part of the country culture, and it's when it's also I think part of the international heritage culture. Uh, we are well known for it, and those uh, clothes is it kind of just simplifies that this is our thing. This is a Burundian piece of history, so no one can take it away from us, you know. That's, that, that's excellent. You, you mentioned that your country's flag uh, is in the same colours. What does what your country's flag look like? Uh, so our country flag, it's got star, three stars in the middle, and it's got red and white and green. So one way to ex, uh, explain the colours is that Red is uh, how uh, the, uh, as much love you love how you love your country. White is uh, for peace, and then green it grows, it shows unity between uh, people. So that's one way to explain it. Which is why every time the dramas goes around the world, they wear their traditional clothes, which includes their colors of their flag. And that's one way to explain why do we wear this? Why do we have this clothes on? Why do we play on drums? It's because we want to be happy, we feel peaceful to do it, and it's a unity between us because we work as one person. Okay, so back in my younger day, I used to play the drums. Yeah. And I used to sit on a chair and have two sticks and bash the drums. These guys... Obviously, do it with their hands, but they seem to be very active. What well, is, is there? You know, they, they seem to be almost jumping over the drums. Is that part of the the heritage? Uh yeah, that's uh, that's part of the heritage. Uh, I would say that's what makes it exciting. You know, you sitting there, you are watching them play drums, just you know, listening to it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. But then seeing them jumping with happiness, it kind of gets your feeling, you know, well, why do why do they look so happy? It's just drums. And then it kind of gets you going into looking more into it. Why do they look happy? Maybe I should ask them, why are you guys so happy? Why are you jumping? Why why do you take so much pride in playing drums? And then in that way, you run a little bit more of history, you run a piece of history that you didn't know about them. And uh, I would say that's one way of expressing why we do it. And if you don't know about it, why we do it, you come to us, you ask us, we tell you why we do it. And mainly it's because we are happy and we just want to make sure that people enjoy it as much as we do and learn more about it. Okay, yeah. so you say we can come to you and ask you. Yeah. Um, is... Burundi a popular tourist spot or not really? It's actually very, very popular uh, because Burundi is one of the smallest countries in the world, I'll say, but it's very beautiful. It's got this beautiful flora and uh, fauna places. You know, the landscape is beautiful, it's beautiful lakes. Uh, the most popular one is Lake Tanganyika. It's a very, very popular tourist uh, place. Um, it's got these beautiful parks uh we've got beautiful animals in there and i would say it's very very popular but the problem with it is that 
right now people don't feel safe going there because of the ongoing uh, political turmoil that's uh, kind of happening. So it kind of makes it hard for people to actually say, you know, Burundi is popular. But then again, if you can have most of the tourists coming in because they're scared of their safety, obviously it kind of makes it hard. Okay, so the tourists come, yep. and you said mentioned Lake Tanganyika, which um, obviously is um, a beautiful, wet part of the country. Yeah. Um, what is the climate climate like in general? Um, well, the climate—it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure how to explain it, but um, the thing is, we don't have cold or summer, so. Burundian climate is different depending on how it comes. You know, it could be raining one hour and then as soon as it stops raining, the sun comes down like 50 degrees or it could get cold out of nowhere and then again, sun comes, it's like 30 degrees. So the climate, it just changes dramatically. So you never know what to expect really uh, throughout the day. Must make it very difficult when you get up in the morning thinking, now what will I wear when I leave the house? But let's um, move on now. How, how, how big is Burundi? Uh, Burundi is actually not that big compared to Australia. Uh, it's uh, it's 27,834 km2. Uh, that's where it's, uh, I would say, Path is probably bigger than Burundi. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm driving from north, part of the country to the south part of the country, I can do that under four hours. So going with the car halfway through under four hours, that means I've probably went through one side of the country to the other side of the country. And I'm pretty sure here in Perth, there's places where you can drive six hours before you get to the other end. So yeah, it's very, very small. Right, so you, you can drive from one end to the other quicker than we can fly from one side to the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so very small country. Yep. What about the population? Um, the population is about 11,053,000 people. So uh, that's as of 2019. Uh, probably I would say roughly about half, um, half Australian population. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, well, the population is actually kind of increasing dramatically, but I would say it's mostly younger population because about 80% of a Indian uh, population is uh, under the age of uh, 40. So it's quite young. Okay. Um, now, th- that population, I-, I know in parts of Africa there are different tribes for want of a better word within one country do you have that same scenario yeah we've got uh three tribes i'd say uh so there's hutu tutsi and twa uh so yeah that's that's all the tribes we've got but most of the time we don't talk about the tribes we try not to get into it that much so in burundi it's not a big thing uh you can hardly even know it exists, but we do know it exists, and we know that it is there, but we just don't try and focus on their tribes a lot. So, yeah, it's very hard that you hear someone I, saying, I, oh... So, so, that, so that's good. That's a fairly yeah. peaceful coexistence yeah. then, as opposed yeah. to... Yeah, so it's very hard that you hear someone say, oh, my tribe is this, or my, his yeah. tribe is that. So we just try to know, focus on that side, because we know there's so much... Uh, history behind that and uh it's not a beautiful history so we try to exclude ourselves from it okay. and uh yeah forget about it so you mentioned the german influence yep. um now tanganyika 
itself, or um, as it was, yep. um, was a British colony. Was there any British influence in Burundi or um, were not? No, uh, I went to school in Burundi if, uh, up until two year nine, uh, which is secondary school. Yeah. And the whole, throughout the whole history that I started at school, we, I'm pretty sure we didn't have any uh, British uh, influence. It was mainly Belgium and Germans. Okay. Whereas the, our neighbor's country, they had uh, British uh Influence pretty much yeah. uh, like Kenya, Uganda, yeah. and Tanzania. It was. I think Congo's on yeah. one of your borders too, and I think they would have probably yeah. had French influence. Uh, so. They had French influence. Yeah. yeah. So at school, do you learn English? Is that part of your standard curriculum, or is that something that you've acquired since you've left? No, I uh, at school uh, because I went to school since two thousand seven. Uh, that's when I started uh, my primary school. So there's no such thing as a pre-primary or anything like that. So usually you start year one uh, up to year six. When I was called, uh, when I was at school, uh, primary school was from year one to year six. So there was no English at all. And then uh, secondary school starts year seven to year 12 or uh, up until whatever, depending on what you want to do, your career path. Um but uh, after a few years, uh, I think in 2013, that's when they start introducing English as uh, a curriculum, but they only had like well, one hour per week uh, for English. So it's not a very big thing there. Um, it's very hard for someone to move from that country to another country who speaking uh, that they only speak English. So it's, uh, it's pretty hard. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we might just introduce another little bit of music. Um, and this is called Burundi Amagaba. What does that mean? Uh, so that's uh, as in Burundian, like uh, traditional songs, they're very popular. So they tend to be different crabs who sing different uh, songs. And the song that you're about to play, Amagaba, it means that's their crab name. So let's say that's. I would say west of Burundi. So they have their own crab. North they have their own crabs. South they have on their own crabs. So it's different crabs, but that one is particular from west of Burundi. Yeah. 
terrific. So now that we're back, let's talk um, a little bit more about some of the cultural aspects of your country. Um, let's talk about food, for example. Oh, wow. <laughs> Every time I think about food uh, back home, I really miss home. It makes me miss home. It makes me feel like I would do anything to go back and just to enjoy food and come back. But yeah, we've got some of the best traditional food. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, my favorite one is, uh, it's called cassava leaves. I'm not sure if you've had it, but it's amazing. And when you eat it with uh, ugali, that's a uh, very traditional, it's a uh, cassava bread. Yeah, it's amazing. You could eat it and never stop. <laughs> it's just such a beautiful country with beautiful food. Uh, we've actually got best coffees. Uh, I've actually come across one of the uh, coffees from Burundi, and I'm telling you, it's very expensive. I was so surprised uh, when I asked for a cuppa. I was surprised how much I had to pay for it. But in the end, it's worth it. Uh, we do have a beautiful tea. Uh, mainly if you go in Burundi while you're driving across the country, you will see lots of uh, tea uh, farms. Like the landscape is covered with the tea. It's uh, one of the our best qualities. Um, the other thing that Burundian people like, uh, or maybe not all the Burundian people like, but personally, I love uh, banana. We do have this traditional banana plant. And when we cook it, it's just so good. It's amazing, <laughs> and I miss it. It just, yeah, we've uh, we have some of the best foods foods in uh, Burundi, uh, mainly because half the population is uh, farmers. They their everyday lives it just they farm and uh, they make they tend to farm beautiful food, amazing food. Excellent. Yep. You're, you're making me hungry, and I think I might have to make it a, 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 a rule going forward that when, when my guests are coming in, they do have to bring a sample of these wonderful foods they're going to talk about. Um, now, people, you say that people like to be tourists, yep. um, and you mentioned the lake, which obviously is a, a big attraction. Is there anything else that people come to? Are there like historical buildings or any other significant so, features? Um, we do have a few historical buildings. Um, um, for example, where the first uh, settlers of the colonist nation era first set the foot, there's this uh, big rock. Uh, it's like one of the very historical buildings, I'd say, and it's quite beautiful I'd say but the history behind it it's just not as beautiful as the building looks but yeah it's uh the other thing is uh we have small lakes in uh part of the countries so the lakes have beautiful birds and one of the lake is also named after the bird uh, which is uh like uh lake Quihinda. So it's called beautiful, beautiful birds, amazing birds. So people actually do tend to come. It's a part of it's in the north part of Burundi, in a province called Kirundo, which is where I grow up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the other one that I know is uh, a very historic building where the Guag- Guagasole was buried on uh, at his burial place. 
it's such a beautiful building it's uh in bujumbura oh, no it's in igtega uh yeah and, uh, i'm not sure i don't know much about the uh the history like uh history places in burundi but i just know a few but i know there's lots of them that exist out there okay now small country large population um what's the wealth like is there is there mines for min- some sort of minerals or how ha- how does the country get its get its wealth oh yeah uh actually we do have uh, quite a few uh minerals uh press uh we are mostly famous for ore and uh i'm not sure how to say it cotton cotton something like that cotton. yeah we're very fam- uh, famous for that too so that's a few of the minerals that come out of burundi uh well half the people their wealth comes from agriculture so 70% of the population or uh, 70% of wealth it's from agriculture so we don't have much of the import thing to do uh, the export stuff except tea coffee uh beans and uh or the other mineral resources but half the mineral resources are occupied by uh companies from outside the country so which kind of makes it hard and yeah okay so on a world scale yeah the burundi per capita wealth is very low it's very very low yeah. i would say per capita is like about 300 dollars and four three 300 yeah about 300 dollars yeah so so that's, that's very low. i mean it, it must be very hard living in that sort of an environment it's it is very hard but then again uh when i well while i was living there i was always so surprised how people are so poor but yet so happy <laughs> i was so so surprised every day i'll just wake up and be like oh okay i don't have money but i just I'm you know happy. continue to live survive i'm happy i'm just like you know uh, looking out to the next day already within the you know five hours of the first day so yeah it's uh it's very very hard especially because now with uh the climate change it makes it hard for people to actually grow up grow some of their food they need to survive because the sun is really not doing them any favor so it just kind of makes everything harder and harder and harder yeah okay so presumably some of the population the younger members of the population yeah. want to advance themselves um are the universities in burundi yeah we do have a few in universities in burundi uh the most popular one uh it's uh university of burundi it's really beautiful national university yeah the education uh system is kind of like starting to take off now before it used to just be like you know you would go straight from year one to until you finish if you make it you make it if you don't make it that's on you so if you don't make it then that means you've wasted well excuse me you've wasted about 12 years of your life trying to study and you don't make it you just get cut off no one looks after you nothing you don't make it and that's the end of you and then that means you start have you have to look back and be like you know what well, i wasted 15 years of my life trying to study and i didn't make it to the end and i only have had one year left and 
now I'm back to square one. You have no idea what you're going to do. And that used to be really, really hard. But now the education system is coming, coming up with a system where if you're studying and you come to a particular area where you feel like, you know what, well, I cannot go any further. So there's a, a path way for you where you can go into different uh, areas and learn something that you want to do in the future. You know your career path, but it used to be like, for example, when I was at school there, I was in year eight, and if you ask me what do you want to do in the future, I don't tell you what I want to do because I didn't know there was no option to choose in from. There was nothing. There was no career paths. So it was just it's transit year one to year 12 when you finish. The only thing that was available for you was to become a teacher, and teachers make way less less money than they could survive on. So Delhi's few universities uh at the moment and uh different people are starting to bring in more educational support where they like they make options for people to be available if you can't make it through schools you can go to this and do that and that can help you in the future but yeah okay that makes a lot of sense so what we might do is we might play another piece of music yep and then we might talk about your journey into australia awesome Okay, and this is a um, a piece of music by Club Jura Mahoro and yeah. called Umu Konyenzi. Konyenzi. And what does that mean? Um, Konyenzi is pretty much uh, a wife, a very respectful wife, as in like, you know, you abide to all cultural values and belief. So that's what Umu Konyenzi means. So I guess that's what all you guys are looking for. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We- Oh, 
welcome back after that uh, musical interlude. And now I'd like to come back, Elise, and talk a little bit about why you're now living in Australia and what um, has brought you to our shores. Well, um, quite a very interesting journey how uh, I end up in Australia. Uh, my mum has been living in Australia for about almost 14 years now. Um, and I've just recently been in Australia since 2015, so I'm kind of still new. But yeah, it's uh, it was a very, very interesting journey. And when I first got here, I remember telling myself, this is a whole different universe. I mean, this is a whole new life. Everything that I knew about life, it just it changed in that moment when I hit the ground in Australia. And yeah, my journey just... Uh, I came in Australia because my mom was here, so she put in a request to bring me closer to her. Uh, left, I was left back in Africa with my dad uh, because they kind of divorced when I was... Uh, actually, yeah, I wasn't born yet when they divorced because my dad had another wife, and uh, after when, seven years after, I didn't know I had a dad, and then out of nowhere, my mom was like, oh, your dad is alive. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? Me being someone who never knew I had a dad, I was so excited. And I was like, you know what? I want to see my dad. So I went to see my dad, and my dad was like, you know what? You know, taking my son away. So they had a little bit of a fight over who can have custody over me. And my dad was kind of like, you know what? He's my son. You've had him so for seven years. I didn't even know he existed. So now it's time to, you know, have him because he's mine. I want to get to know him. And my mom was like, yeah, okay, but as mom was in a refugee camp and my dad was back home, so <coughs> mom and dad were living in two different countries. My mom was in a refugee camp in Tanzania and my dad was back home in Burundi and I had to stay with my dad. But when mom went back to the refugee camp, she got a visa to come in Australia as a refugee. And that was the last time I ever saw my mom up until where, uh, four years later. She tried to look for me through someone, and I saw someone come home. He's like, oh, your mom want to talk to you? I'm like, my mom is alive. <laughs> so, yeah. And mom was like, you know, I'll try and get you here so you can have a good future, better education and stuff, better opportunities. You're my son, and I'll do everything that's possible to make sure that you are closer to me. Okay, so you've yeah. been here for four years-ish. Yeah. Um, and you're studying now? Yeah, uh, when I first got here, I didn't know anything in English. So when I first got here, I was just me like that. I couldn't speak a word, a single word in English. So I had to study English as fast as I can. So I could probably, you know, enjoy it more. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful country, but with me not being able to speak English, I couldn't do anything. So, yeah, I remember I got myself enrolled in... Um, English intensive, uh, intensive English center. Yeah, I uh, spent six months in it, and they were like, "Oh, you know what? You pick up real quick." So, I did another six months within the center, and they were like, "You are good enough to start year eleven." And then I went to year eleven, did year eleven, did a couple of year etars and uh, generals, and then I did year twelve. Uh, I did two etars, uh, three generals. I'll where I wasn't good enough to go straight to uni. 
after that i was like okay so i finished year 12 what do i do what are my options well what do i want to do from here i told myself you know what take a gap year figure out your life but halfway to a month within my gap year i was like no i cannot do this every day waking up eating shower go back to sleep uh, this is too much so yeah i went to my laptop looked around what can i do i did a certificate three in uh, aged care uh yeah i did it for six months i uh, finished it and i was like okay what do i do now i still have six months left on my gap year before i figure out what i want to do and i told myself you know what university doesn't sound bad i know I, i don't have enough qualification to go straight to uni so what do i do now what's my options and i looked around uh there was this program at Curtin university called uni ready it pretty much gets you ready for your first year at university so i enrolled myself in it and did six years and yeah and started my uni uh, my uni undergraduate course so right now i'm doing international aid and development together with community development at madoc university great so i i know you told me before that uh, you're 21 yeah. um so Does this university life give you time for a social life as well? Well, I actually thought about that. You know, I being someone new in Australia, I try to make sure that I'm not fully focused on just university life, you know, I there's so much that I need to know about Australian culture, about the way of life in Australia. So, yeah, uh I'm not doing full-time uni, so I'm doing uh part time that also has something to do with the fact that I'm not eligible for hex so I can only do as much uni as I can afford units as I can afford so yeah I do uh two units a semester and then I get time to work and just meet up with my friends uh casually sometimes just to have a little bit of a chat and uh, run a thing of too about Australia you know I go for travels uh trips road trips go to the beaches uh australia's got beautiful beaches so yeah awesome so you haven't got out there and kidnapped any young australian girls yet uh no 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 yet not yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah. um so and I, i mean i guess that is a question yep. um do you think that you know having an australian girlfriend or ultimately perhaps an australian wife Yeah. Or are you thinking that what you really want is to keep within your own community and what what are the benefits or disadvantages? Well, I mean, uh the benefits of uh mailing within my community is that I'll probably uh make sure I'd make you know, doubt mean I keep my cultural heritage going on, you know, my cultural beliefs, my values you know the way of traditional life going on it's it would make it easy to explain to someone who is already, who already know more about it but then again we are in australia so you know when you move in on a in a different culture sometimes you find ways to adapt and sometimes you have this two culture and you just trying to belong in both of them so right now i have my burundian culture and right now i live in australia so I have Australian culture and I have I have I kind of like belong in between both of them and 
right now I'm out there whatever that comes if I happen to have to fall in love with a Australian woman who is beautiful smart and we both get on the same page I'm happy to find a future with them regarding them having a different culture with me because that means there is so much explore between me and her you know I can't teach her more about my culture she can learn more about it and she will probably teach someone else that's another way to keep my culture going on and it will be also interesting but then again if I come across a woman from my different my from my culture who that I love and we are on the same page then I'm okay to go with that but I don't think there is a benefit a benefit or I just think that it depends on how you see that person how they see you and how you both understand each other uh cultural living in australia it's it's uh, i would say australia is a multicultural country so the truth is being here in australia you have your own culture but again you have this different culture that you have to adapt to as a way of everyday life so it's kind of hard to say you know what i'm only going to marry in my own culture because that just makes life easy it makes life hard for yourself and for everyone around you okay so um fascinating hour that we've spent and <laughs> um i've i've really enjoyed finding out more about your culture and your your country and uh, and and you as an individual and we'd love to talk perhaps another time um to see how things have developed over the next few years yeah but uh at this point i just want to say thank you very much for coming in and uh to wish you well not only with your studies but also with your uh, wife hunting ah uh, thank you thank you <laughs> i'm happy one